0: Workbook page. Um, There's, you can follow along, fill in the blank. So I'm going to start out by telling you a story. True story. (laughs) During the summer, when I was about 11 years old, I was sitting outside reading, and I was probably reading a Nancy Drew mystery. I don't know if you all are familiar with Nancy Drew, (laughs) I had tons of them. Anyway, I was sitting outside reading, and I went completely blind. I couldn't see a thing. And um, I felt my way inside to my bedroom, and I laid down on my bed, and I wondered what I was going to do, and how I was going to tell my parents that I couldn't see. Um, My stepmother was probably inside watching soap operas, which she did every afternoon, and probably all six of my siblings were home, but I didn't tell anybody, and I was just doing what I was trained to do, because in my household, there, you didn't tell anybody if you had problems. Nobody knew about them, and problems were supposed to be private and kept to yourself. So after about a half an hour, I could see again, and I had just experienced my first migraine headache. <clears throat> and if you know anything about migraine headaches, they come with visual disturbances, and I couldn't see at all. I couldn't see anything. So when I look back at that incident as an adult, I cannot even, in my wildest dreams, imagine an 11-year-old child going completely blind and not going completely and totally hysterical. Um, That would be a normal reaction. (laughs) But I did not have a normal reaction. I reacted with it. I dealt with it. I dealt with that pain the way I was taught. You just keep your mouth shut. Even something as extreme as going blind, I wasn't going to tell anybody. Now, that's really bizarre, isn't it? (laughs) It's very bizarre, but that's that's the kind of upbringing I had. It was very difficult. So we often learn how to deal with pain by our upbringing, by the way our parents were, whether it was healthy or unhealthy. And a lot of times we carry on with those things. Uh, Many teenagers, you know, when they're younger, they haven't even uh, learned learned how to cope with things. They haven't developed those skills just because of their age. And a lot of times if they have uh, difficult things happen to them, if they don't have a firm foundation, they cope with these things um, in very harmful ways by eating disorders or uh, cutting or different things like that. When I was a teenager, I turned to drugs and sex because of the difficult things in my life, because I did not have, as you can see, I didn't have any (laughs) proper way of dealing with pain and difficulty. But as adults, many times the way we deal with pain is not quite as harmful as the ways a troubled teenager might deal with pain. And as Christian women living a higher standard for the Lord, we need to make sure we react to hurt and pain in a way that is not yielding ourselves to the devil or to sin, or to things that will destroy us or the people around us. And we all know that when bad things happen to us, we can react in ways that are very unbecoming um, to a godly woman. Um, We need to be careful not to give control of our lives to harmful behaviors in an effort to soothe our hurt. A lot of times, you know, I guess the most common example is, you know, you don't feel too hot, so you're going to eat ice cream or something, which, you know, once in a while that's fine, but you can go overboard. Amen? (laughs) We also need to, when dealing with pain, be sure that we are acting maturely. If the checker at Walmart tells you you can't use a certain coupon, uh, to get upset about that would be considered petty. And people, Christian women have you know, flown off the handle and make it a life crisis for the next three weeks, you know, if someone treated them the way they didn't want at Walmart. Um, if your daughter got, just got married and now has to split holiday time with her in-laws, that, you know, can be a loss and something to be sad about. Uh, it's an adjustment, but a mature Christian woman should be able to work through an issue like that without going through a crisis. So we're not talking today really about, you know, small things or petty things or things that, are, you know, are, we should be able to deal with. You know, if somebody just looks at us wrong, we should be able to deal with that without having a crisis. Amen? Let's turn to First Peter 5. Um, 1 Peter 5, Chapter 6. There are Bibles... There's a couple over there. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So we can see here that um, we can allow our pain to be an opportunity for the devil to devour us. And that happens to many people. When they have um, been confronted with painful situations in their life, they just give themselves over to the flesh and dealing with things according to the flesh. And the devil's looking for people that are going to yield to him. And when you're in a difficult situation, you've been faced with pain in your life, a lot of times uh, we are good prey for the devil if we're not going to live according to the word. Can somebody go back and get me that basket that was on the table back there? So um, different kinds of pain that we can go through are abuse, abuse in relationships, violence, People being outright rude to us. Um, I have relatives that are extremely rude. (laughs) I mean, they take the cake rude. Um, A death of a loved one is a very difficult thing to deal with. A miscarriage or a stillbirth. Being bullied. Receiving unfair treatment. Infidelity. Betrayal being cheated by a business. Um, we met with uh, Reverend and Mrs. Thrap this last week. There are missionaries in India, and they told us that one of their graduates uh, was burned to death and one had his hands cut off for the gospel's sake. And when we have, you know, little things go wrong with us, we need to keep that kind of thing in perspective, you know, that th- those people are really suffering pain. So I'm just going to read some of these off. Different ways that we um, uh, experience pain in our life. Uh, Intentions being misunderstood. Prayers seeming to take so long to be answered. uh, Death, rejection, and divorce. Loss of a loved one. When I realized I've caused someone else pain, either by my actions, words, or lack of. Putting my mother in a nursing home and watching Alzheimer's debilitate her. Loss of parents, loss of job, the wages of sin and divorce. Lost my sensor. Lost my sister to lung cancer several years ago. I really miss her. And um, husband committing adultery. Those are very harmful things, Help, hurtful things, aren't they? Very, very hurtful things. And they're things that that um, we all have to deal with. Maybe not all, all of us have to deal with all of them. But uh, a lot of times... Like I was telling them before, um, before we got started, when you're younger, you have a dream about how your life is going to be, and you really honestly think that it's going to be pretty doggone good, you know, <laughs> that you're not going to have all those problems that other people have, but as you step along in life, you find, you know, you do have problems. Things do go wrong, unfortunately. Um, can you guys think of some unhealthy ways to deal with hurt and pain? Withdrawal, that's very good. Taking it out on others, that's very good. It's not very good to do, but it's a very good answer. (laughs) Venting all the time, very good. Anger and bitterness. Drugs and alcohol. Overeating. Suicide. I'm going to read what I have down here, and some of the answers that you gave me are in here. Uh, Shutting down emotions, holding it all inside, Um, eating disorders, cutting, anxiety disorders, depression, yelling, anger, rage, violence, resentment, bitterness, drugs, alcohol, Food, smoking, acting out sexually. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but a lot of times when really young teens start using way too much makeup, or really young teens dyeing their hair all the time, it's usually a sign that there's something wrong with their home life. Uh, The gothic, a lot of times when kids, young girls go gothic, you know, with their clothes and makeup, their hair, Usually is a sign that they're hurting in some way. Uh, another unhealthy way to deal with pain and hurt is spending money. Because, you know, if we buy something, it makes us feel better. And another way, unhealthy way to deal with hurt in our life is control. And a lot of times... Um, you know, if you, if you read into it, people, you know, that know a lot more than I do say that things like eating disorders and cutting and stuff are all about controlling your emotions. Um, every person is different and every situation is different. One person could have, you know, a loved one die and it might take them, you know, five years to really get their feet back on the ground. Another person might have a loved one die and in a few days they're feeling, you know, back on their feet. And uh, everybody is completely different. So there can't be, you know, any rules like if this happens to you, you should be better in, you know, three weeks. That just doesn't happen because everybody is totally different and everybody experiences the hurt differently. So in every situation, we have to be led by wisdom, by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. And we also have to understand, you know, especially if we're comparing ourselves to someone else, sometimes God just does a supernatural work in a person to heal them. And other times it's hard, hard, hard work to get over something. And I think, you know, most of us have experienced times when, you know, something happened and we just felt God's grace helping us through. And other times something bad happens and we just have to fight to keep our head above water. And that's just just the way it is. Sometimes God just moves in supernaturally and helps us. And other times he helps us through the struggle that we go through. Um, there's two really, really, really important scriptures to remember when we're dealing with things. One is Psalm 34:18. These aren't the only ones, but they're just two important ones to remember. Psalm 34:18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So no matter what you're going through and no matter how bad it is, the Lord says he's going to be close to you. Psalm 34:18 it says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if you're brokenhearted or if your spirit is just crushed, God promises that he's going to be close to you. And we need that closeness to him. The other one is Luke 4:18. Luke 4:18 now, this is Jesus talking and he says, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So God put the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. So he could heal us if we're broken hearted. God sent Jesus to proclaim liberty to us if we felt, feel captive by hurt and despair and depression. He's, God sent Jesus to set us at liberty if we feel oppressed. Isn't that awesome? So God is always there to minister to you no matter what is going on with you, no matter how hurt you are, how, no matter how down you are, God is always there to minister to you. So we're going to look at an example, a Bible example, of somebody who was in a lot of pain. We're going to look at King David. We're going to look and see how he dealt with hurt and see what we can learn from him. Uh, He had a lot of pain caused by his family. Can anybody identify? Yes. Sometimes that can be the worst kind of pain and hurt that you can have is hurt that comes from your family. Um, sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. There's a lot of times that you're hurt deeply by family members that they're not saying, well, I'm going to go hurt so-and-so. It's just part of human relationships that feelings are going to get hurt and that people a lot of times act very unlovely to each other. And um, and it's the kind of thing that we have to deal with. So I put Psalm 42 on the back, back of your sheet in case you want to write notes along while I um, – Go through this. Anyway, Psalm 42, it's thought to have been written by King David. Uh, King David was well acquainted with pain. These are some of the things that happened to him. He had a young child die because of his own sin. He had his oldest son, Absalom, arrange the murder of another son who had sex with uh, a stepsister. Now, that sounds like a pretty messed up family, doesn't it? Very, very hurtful. Think about it if that happened to your own family, in your own family, your own children, your own relatives, your own brothers and sisters. That would be very difficult. And then Absalom was estranged from David for years, and it broke David's heart, absolutely broke his heart. Then his son Absalom, who had murdered uh, his stepbrother, overthrew David as king And then David had to go into hiding as a fugitive. Now that is a lot more pain on top of pain, on top of pain. And it's believed that he wrote this, Psalm 42 and 43, during this time. And both Psalms are very similar. So let's start. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And this is really, really good because David goes to God with thirst for God. David didn't go to God about my wretched, horrible son. Why did he do this to me? Why did he do this to me? He went to God hungry for God. He wanted God to fill the hurt, God to heal the pain on the inside of him, God to fill that longing he had on the inside of him. And just think, you know, um, we, have, we have a lot of deer at our house. And uh, one time, uh, every once in a while they run through the yard because they get startled, but one time they were actually really running through the yard because there were two uh, mastiff, bull mastiffs. I don't know where they came from, but they're big dogs, and they were chasing the deer. And you talk about a crazy scene. I mean, these deer were running for their lives, you know. So just think of a deer running from a wolf or, or a dog or whatever, how thirsty and how hot that deer would be. Well, that's the, vi- that's the picture that we're to get when, when David is talking about this. As a deer pants for streams of water, he's hot and he's thirsty. That's how hot and thirsty, that's how hungry and thirsty David was for God. Um, David could no longer go to the tabernacle of God. David's practice was, you know, to go with the other people that trusted and believed in God, go as a group, worship as a group, went to the tabernacle and worship God. And he couldn't do that anymore because he was cast away. He was in hiding. He couldn't do that, and he loved partaking of that. He had to run from his throne, his house, his belongings, and from many family members and friends. And during this hurtful time, the most important thing to David was his relationship with God. And a lot of times when things hurt us so, 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 so bad, all we can focus on is what's going on at the time of the disaster or the trouble that's going on at the time. But we need to focus on God. We need to focus on how hungry we are for Him. Verse 3 My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? See, David, what he's saying here is instead of eating, he was weeping nonstop, day and night. Many times when we, hit, we are hit with pain and sorrow, we, all we can do is cry. A lot of times we lose our appetites, and David's just expressing a natural thing, a thing that happens to all of us. Um, instead of eating food, a lot of times we just feed on our own tears. And many times we do, and along with other people, unfortunately, say, well, you know, where's God in all this? You know, and the worst thing that you can do or the worst thing that somebody can do to you or the worst thing that you can do to somebody else is start questioning where their faith is or what did they do wrong. That's what the friends did in the book of Job. And there is absolutely, totally and completely nothing good that can come of that except hurting somebody more. It just doesn't help, you know, if. You have a family member, you know, uh, uh, let's say you get in a car accident and somebody says, well, what did you do wrong? I bet you didn't pray before you left. I bet you weren't walking in faith. I bet you, you know, said something snappy to your, snippy to your family member before you left home. That just isn't profitable. It's hurtful. So as David said, you know, things are bad enough, but then they're saying, where's your God? You know, we don't need friends like that, do we? So if you've been hit with a really bad situation and you're crying and crying and crying and you just can't seem to stop crying, just give yourself some space to cry. I mean, we need sometimes just to cry about things. Let's look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. David here isn't mourning about the loss of his throne, the loss of his riches. He's mourning over a closest that he feels he's lost with God because he can't go to the tabernacle and worship with God's people. You know, we have something really awesome in the New Testament time is that we don't have to go to a certain location to worship God. We can worship God wherever we're at. God is on the inside of us, and so we, can, we don't have to experience that loss. But, you know, just think about if you were living in, you know, uh, Indonesia or parts of Africa or, or, you know, Turkey or Greece or just a multitude of countries around the world, just getting to, you know, the, the house down the street that is acting as a church is almost impossible. You know, and those people long for that. They're hungry for God. And... Um, those things, you know, our yearning for God needs to be a lot more important a lot of times than, than what we're suffering because he's going to be our answer. He's the one that is going to satisfy that, that hurt, heal that hurt on the inside of us. Um, David loved to go to the tabernacle, which at that time was a tent, and worship God with all of the others. It was a part of his life, and he re- missed that really badly. He missed worshiping together with joy. He was remembering the way it was before the hurt happened. The verb there is a present tense ver, verb meaning I will remember. So in other words, he, he's not just saying, oh, I remember how good it was in the past, you know, blah da da He's saying, I'm going to remember how wonderful that was. I'm going to remember the longing and I'm going to remember the joy that I had in a way that was um, conducive to healing in a way that, you know, left a positive thought in his mind and not a negative one. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, well, take it with a, 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 the loss of a loved one. A lot of times we can, you know, if we lose a loved one, we're going to say, oh, you know, I miss him so bad. I miss da-da-da-da-da and make it a negative thing instead of, I remember how wonderful that person was. They were such a blessing to me. They did this, this, and this. You know, you can see the slight change in attitude can make all the difference in the world. So it's good to remember he was trying to do something helpful. David was thinking of a good memory, a good time. Now, verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed? And that word disturbed means agitated, troubled, or anxious in mind. Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you in in, from the land of Jordan, the heights of he, Hermon, from Mount Mizar. We can, see, we can see here two sides, two sides of David. And this is a lot of times when we're going through something, you know, we have a downtime and uptime, you know. Um, there's two ways we can deal with problems a way we can sink and drown in the problem, in the despair, in the hurt. Or we can rise above the water and have hope. And David was kind of vacillating between these two. And when he got down, he'd say, why are you so down? Put your hope in God. And that's what we need to do a lot of times is say, why are you so down? You have a God that's more than able to deliver you. Um, There's a dark side and a bright side to every situation. Putting our hope in God will cause us to rise above the hurt. We can find great comfort in knowing that God is there to help us. He's always there to help us. Verse 7, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. If you just think about one wave of sorrow rolling over, and when that wave is rolling over you, it's calling to the next wave, and then it comes to roll over you, and that wave is calling to the next wave. See, that's what David was experiencing. And I think, you know, many times we've experienced things like that. It's like, you know, you just can't, can't seem to keep your head above water because one wave of sorrow is calling to the next one. Hey, come on here. Let's, and <laughs> Let's feel this pain some more. And a lot of times we have to understand it's really, really natural to uh, feel those things. It's really, really natural when bad things happen to us to be hurt and to take some time to heal. And it's really important to allow yourself to do that. You know, if a tragedy happens in your life, it's really important to allow yourself to um, react to it, allow yourself to be sorrowful. Um, A lot of times it feels like there's just floods of grief and oceans of tears. And a lot of times, you know, especially after something has happened and it's passed a while, you know, a measure of time, and sometimes we can just find a morbid pleasure in remembering hurt and affliction, especially if somebody somebody has hurt us. A lot of times, you know, we can entertain it. We can dwell upon it. We can nurse it. We can proclaim ourselves as a victim, you know. Um, we can address it, you know, I'm, I'm a victim, I'm a, you know, crime victim. I'm a sexual abuse victim. I'm a victim of this, that or the other. And that's not really God wants us. God doesn't really want us to do that because we're overcomers. Um, There's a time to mourn. There's a time to suffer through our loss and our hurt. But then there's a time to rejoice. And we need to be sure that we get to that other side. God's word commands us to look at things with faith, to remember the mercies of God, to remember his blessings and to be thankful. No matter what circumstances we are in, all of our burdens are to be cast upon him. We're commanded to be joyful and of good cheer. You know, there, not this year, but, you know, in the preceding couple years, there have been a lot of natural disasters. And a lot of people um, have had things just stripped away from them, you know, all of a sudden. I don't know if you all saw the story on the news last night about Hannah Hull. She was our heart's desire lady in November, and they had a news, I put it on a, the Facebook page, they had a news story on her last night on Channel 5 News, and you can go to the website and, and uh, listen to it. But um, her her mother was taken away from her, I mean, just in an instant. Her mother was taken away from her, her health was taken away from her, um, she, you know, her jaw was broken in several places, she was, she lost most of her teeth, she you know, uh, has no had no home. I mean, just everything was taken away from her. She was in the hospital for 45 days. But that little girl, I mean, she just, the joy of the Lord was her strength. And it's amazing to see what God has done in her life. And when, you know, I'm sure there was a great deal of sorrow that that little girl went through. But there was also a lot of healing that she's been through. And God has helped her to recover. So she's decided that the little girl who's probably 16 now, 15, she's decided to be of good cheer. And that's what we need to do, too. Okay, uh, verse 8. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. See, we see here that David is expecting deliverance from all the hurt that he's feeling. He knows that God has not abandoned him. Day, Day and night, that term there, you know, you know uh, talking about day and night, shows that David knows that God is with him at all times during the day and during the night. There's no time that God is not with him. David would not allow the hurt that happened to him to pull him away from God. David poured out his soul to God in sorrow, but then he tra- changed it into pouring out his, his uh, soul to God in prayer. Uh, David now says this in verse 9, I say to God, my rock. And what that really means is my defender, my deliverer, my helper, and my savior. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? See, David, you know, is kind of like vacillating back and forth and back and forth. And that's what we do a lot of times when we're in when we're hurt very badly, you know, yes, God's my rock, but why did they hurt me so bad? Yes, God's my rock, but why did my house burn down, you know? We, we, And that's kind of like a natural thing that that human beings do. We kind of go up and down. And that's what David is doing here. But we may feel like God has forsaken us, but that's always a mistake. It's always a mistake when we feel like God's forsaken us. God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And we don't have a choice about the emotions we feel when something bad happens, but we do have a choice in what we do with those emotions. Amen. Verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? See, here David is telling God how he is feeling because of Absalom's treatment of him. We need to go to God and tell him how we feel. We need to go to God. We don't necessarily need to tell everybody on the block, or everybody in our family or everybody at work. We need to go to God and tell him how we feel. There's absolutely nothing wrong with telling God how upset we are, how mad we are, how angry we are, how hurt we are, because he's the one that is going to comfort us and he's the one that's going to help us. It's good to tell him how you feel. Uh, verse 11 why are you downcast on oh, my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. See, David is scolding himself. You know, why are you doing this? Why are you so down in the dumps? You know Your family may have you know thrown you out of the out of the castle, but God is there for you. Your hopes in God, so you don't have to worry about those other things. In a Bible commentary called Barnes Notes, it says, David corrects himself for being down in the dumps and for dwelling on the problem and reaches for the true source of comfort to the hurting, the living God. And his mind is calm. Why should a man be sorrowful when he feels that he has a God? Why should his heart be sad when he can pour out his sorrows before him? Why should he, cast, why should he be cast down and gloomy when he can hope? Hope for the favor of God here. Hope for immortal life in the world to come. So I think that's good. Amen. So we can see that if we're feeling really bad, we can go to Psalm 42 and have an example of somebody else who is feeling really bad. And see how he dealt with it. And see how he lifted himself up and helped himself get over it. I'm going to give you some steps For getting over hurt. Now these aren't, you know, if I get hurt, I'm gonna go one through, you know, whatever, and these are gonna take care of everything. But these are really helpful things that will help you, help you if you have encountered something that's really hurting you. The first thing is to acknowledge and define what actually caused your pain. Acknowledge and define what actually caused your pain i found that um, sometimes we don't even realize what's going on. We kind of have to figure it out. Sometimes we get upset, cranky, uh, and, uh, depressed, and we don't really understand what's going on. And so t- a lot of times we have to just look at ourselves and see, you know, what what's caused this to happen? Um, I, I recently had read a book on... Um, people that didn't have mothers, people that lost their mothers when they were young. You know, my mother died when I was seven. And I started reading that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's why I'm that way. <laughs> oh my, Because they were saying, you know, different traits that they had. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Oh, my gosh, that's why I'm that way. You know, it's kind of freaky, you know. And one of the books I read, it had a, like a, a little letter that was written to the author in the front of the book this lady was wondering why she was all these things you know and then she read the book and said you know she figured it out and it was like i was re- it was like i wrote the letter you know <laughs> i started crying of course you know <laughs> but a lot of times it's it's really good to try to figure out why you are the way you are why you're acting the way you are um, another good example is um, like um, a lot of times if if people have post-traumatic stress disorder, you know they might not really remember what happened to them or really understand what happened to them was that bad. But when they start waking up in the middle of the night, shaking with dreams about what happened, then they need to, you know, try to figure out why is this happening. And you can there's so much, there's so many good books and resources on the internet. And I tell you what, when something has happened to you, um, if you are able to educate yourself on that particular thing, it helps so much. Like if you're married to an alcoholic or have an alcoholic parent or an alcoholic child, or if you have experienced a death, just learning about different things that go happen when you've experienced a death helps so much. And it makes you feel like you're not just lost. It helps you understand that what you're going through is normal. So acknowledge and define what actually causes your pain. Learn about it. Learn about it from other people, from books. Um, Things that will help you recover, not from people. You know, you can tell people, and there's certain people that will make your problem worse, and you need to make sure that you don't talk to those people. There's people that will perpetuate your problem. You know, if you... Come to them and they say, Oh my gosh, how are you making it? Are you alive? Are you dead? You know, I don't see how you can breathe, you know. You don't really need to talk to those people. You need to talk to people that will encourage you in the Lord. The second thing is to go to God with it. Don't uh, allow anything that has happened to you to shake your hope and your confidence in God. He is our first confidant, our first helper. He is the person with the answers. We go to God with it. And there's things that we can do like praise, praising him, worshiping him, and prayer that can um, help us to experience God's presence and his hope in our life. Another thing is reading the word of God and declaring it out loud. That is so important, especially when you're going through a difficult time. Reading it out loud. You know, if you've been diagnosed with something that, you know, has scared you or is difficult, start saying out loud healing scriptures. Say them day day and night. Every time you get afraid, say a healing scripture out loud. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So what we say out of our mouth can bring healing to our emotions or it can bring death and harm to our emotions. And we need to be declaring words of life. And if you're speaking God's word, it's always going to be words of life for, your, for yourself. Prayer and the word of God are, are just the best medicine for any kind of hurt that you have. Uh, the next thing is if someone has hurt you, you need to forgive them. And there's no, um, there's no judgment call on that. No matter what anybody has done to you, you need to forgive them. Um, now, forgiving a person does not mean that you're going to have a restored relationship. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, if someone, you know, shot your, shot your mother and killed them, it doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends with that person. If you're married to an abusive spouse, forgiving them doesn't mean that you're going to stay married to them, but it means that you've let it go and let God be the judge, not you. And you've you you release that hurt. Um, let's look at Ma- Matthew five forty three. Matthew five forty three. It says, "You have heard what." Uh, you have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who, perse- who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So God tells us that we need to forgive and we also need to pray for those who have hurt us. And that is a really hard thing to do. Um, but we need to do it. We need to do it with faith, and we need to do it with a full heart. And that is, it's very hard, but it, it shows that you can really walk in love if you can love your enemies and that if you can pray for those that persecute you. Um, it's important that we don't expect that everyone treats us perfectly. Um, it's just not going to happen, and there's a big re- revelation here that you're not going to treat everybody perfectly. You're going to look at somebody wrong. You're going to say something wrong. You're going to do something that's thoughtless. You're going to forget something that's important to them. I mean, because you are a human being, you can have a heart that's just full of love and you're still going to hurt people just because you're human. And so you can't expect other people to be perfect. And so we have to understand that that. People are going to hurt each other, and you're going, to hurt, you're going to hurt somebody, and you want them to forgive you. Especially if you know it was just something thoughtless, you want them to forgive you. So we need to extend that same forgiveness to others. Um, we need to, and it's really important that we are able in human relations that we're able to recognize that we have faults. Um, we need to be able to say, "I'm wrong. I'm sorry." You know, a lot of times if we are offended easily, we're not realizing that we are wrong a lot of the times. And maybe we're too touchy or, you know, things like that. So it's really important to be able to say that you're wrong. And if you aren't used to saying you're wrong or you're sorry, just start practicing. Just stand in front of the mirror. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Now, if you're in some kind of abusive relationship where you're, you know, you're, you know, squished down under somebody's foot, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about normal you know, if your boss tells you you did something wrong, just say, I'm sorry, I'll do a better job. Don't come up with five million excuses right off the bat before you even think about it. You know, it's such a blessing to hear somebody say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. You know, the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. And a lot of times if you have somebody angry with you and you just say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, the whole thing is dispersed, you know. So that's a good thing to if we want other people to do that to us, we need to be willing to do that to them and matthew six fourteen matthew six fourteen for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins, and that's all you need to say about that <laughs> Because I want to be forgiven, don't you? So I need to forgive other people. I really do. You know, that's really, really, really important. We need to make sure that there's not offense taken in us. And if we feel like God has done something to us, we need to release that and forgive him. Even though he hasn't done anything wrong, we need to not be holding things against him. The next thing is, is that we need to take our thoughts captive, Because when we are faced with a painful situation, a hurtful situation, our mind can go absolutely berserk. Let's go to Philippians 4, verse 8. And this can be a real job. It takes a lot of fortitude and a lot of uh, thought to think right. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So if we want peace, we need to be thinking about good things. Amen. You know... um, There's so many different hurtful and harmful and difficult things that can happen to us. It's hard to use examples because there's so many different things. But whatever it is, you know, if you're faced with financial difficulties that you're having difficulties with, pain in that area, we just need to focus on good and honorable and right things. Amen. And then 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete so we need to take captive you know if you had a uh, <clears throat> if you had a rodent in your house you would want to take it captive right if you had a mouse running around you would want to take it captive and you would probably do it by killing it with a mouse trap that's the way we need to think about thoughts that don't belong in our mind we need to kill those thoughts like we'd be killing a mouse with a mouse trap we need to take those thoughts captive and take make our mind obedient to Christ. Okay, another thing is that we need to be able to, if we're hurting, if something terrible has happened in our lives, we need to have a trusted friend or relative that we can go to. We need to be able to express that hurt to somebody. We need to uh, share that burden of hurt with somebody else. That's really, really important. And it's really important that make sure that that person will encourage you in the word of God. And it's also very, very important for your own good to make sure that that person is not a gossip. And a good way to judge that is if a person tells you about somebody else, they're going to tell somebody else about you. So whatever if you have something private that you're really struggling with or you know, even something that everybody knows about that you're struggling with and you want to talk to somebody, make sure they're not a gossip because then everybody will know the way you're feeling and you just don't want that. And also, just remember that everybody, every best friend, every relative, everyone has a limit on how much they can listen to. So if you're having the same problem, you have the same problem now and then you have it next month and six months from now and a year from now and ten years from now, people are not going to want to listen to you if, you, if you're not going to get better, if you're not going to recover. So make sure that you're working toward recovery and make sure you don't wear out people. You know, um, I think that you've all experienced somebody who's not going to get over something and they're going to talk about it and the problem just grows and grows and grows over years. Have you all? I know I have. (laughs) That people, they're not going to listen to godly counsel. They're not going to listen to encouragement. Um, They're just going to keep on. Make sure that... we all need to make sure that we don't do that. We need to be working toward healing in whatever situation it is. Um, we need to stay away from people that are encourage us to continue on in our hurt. If uh, if you told somebody, you know, uh, you know, Sally Smith hurt my feelings, and they and they go, "Oh my gosh, Sally Smith hurt your feelings. She hurt my feelings too. You know, she's always hurting everybody's feelings. She is such a crab." Blah blah blah. That person isn't encouraging you to get better, are they? They're perpetuating the problem, and then you're going to feel so justified in the way you feel because, you know, she's hurt other people, so, you know, it's not me, it's her. <laughs> we need to, you know, if we had, you know, Sally Smith hurt my feelings, you need to tell somebody, and that person needs to say, well, you know, what happened? Well, let's go to Sally Smith, and let's let's get this straightened out, you know, and that usually We'll shut somebody up because you know they don't want. They either don't want it straightened out, or they're the ones that were at fault a lot of times. So we need to we need to share things with people that are going to actually encourage us. Um, refuse to be identified as a victim, and be really careful. Like, um, like just an example is a subject of anorexia. That is a that is a problem that happens when people are filled with hurt. A lot of times from their upbringing, and that's just the way the hurt comes out. But do you know there's actually websites on the Internet that support people to stay anorexic? So you need to be sure that whenever you're going to look for help, it's actually help to get better and not help to stay in your, your difficulty. Some people find a great deal of help if they write down how they feel. It's called journaling. A lot of times that helps a lot of people get things out and it's a way to get things out in a more private and personal way a lot of times you can write down things that you maybe wouldn't tell anybody but you write it down and you feel like you've gotten it out and then there are times that you really do need to have some kind of Christian or pastoral counseling for help and it's really important to understand that um things that happen to us a lot of times it just it really does take time to get over and some things um You recover from them, but maybe the hurt of them could last a whole lifetime. Say if you had a child that died, you know, you would, I mean, you're not, you might recover from that, but you'll always miss that person, you know. um, You'd always, you know, be sad that they were gone. It's not like you'd be happy that they were gone, especially if it was someone that died before their time. But understand, give yourself, give yourself a chance to heal from things. Don't, you know, feel like somebody died or my house burned down or somebody stole everything I had and, you know, tomorrow I'm supposed to be just perfect. Give yourself time to recover from things. No matter what happens to you, the Bible says that you're an overcomer. You're victorious and you need to walk in that. So <clears throat> one last scripture, First John 4.4. 4. First John 4, 4, it says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So no matter what happens, we have the greater one that lives on the inside of us. So I have one last story. <clears throat> last fall, I had lunch with two of my cousins who are my same age. And when we were kids, we always, you know, whenever we were in Perryville, which is where we went usually, <laughs> we all played together because we were the same age, two girls. And I hadn't really talked to them in in many, many years because one lived in Iowa. Um, But we were eating lunch last fall, and they just kept looking at me funny. Like, just looking at me funny and staring at me funny. And and it was kind of weird. And finally one of them said, we're just so surprised that you're happy and normal. And it really took me back. And it was like... You know, they said, um, we know what life was for you and didn't know what you were going to be like when we got here. And uh, then they started telling stories about me when I was a kid, you know, how I'd be covered with welts and how I always had to care for my younger siblings while my parents would sleep late or whatever, and how one of their families tried to adopt me. I had forgotten about that, but I remembered it. To get me out of the house, you know, to get me out of my home. Um, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because, you know, it's been so long since that happened. And, you know, I'm kind of detached from it, but I think about that poor little girl that they always, my name was Cinderella. They always called me Cinderella because I did all the work (laughs) and I had a wicked stepmother. (laughs) I know all those things that happened, but God healed me of that hurt the moment I got saved. The moment I gave my life to God, I was instantly healed of all that. So that's my testimony about that is that I was instantly healed of that. I didn't have to work at recovery. And I know that God instantly heals people of things because I've experienced that. And God keeps healing me when I'm hurt, and he'll do the same for you. if You just let him. Amen. 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 Well, we were going to do something else, but it's kind of late. So uh, we're going to go ahead and pray. And then Judy Davis brought us some treats. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much that you're close to the brokenhearted, that you're here for the oppressed, that you're watching out for the hurting, and your hand is just reaching out to wipe our tears away, that you're always reaching out to help us, to minister to us, to hold us up. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is our comfort and our help. Your Holy Spirit is our helper. And, Father, we just determine in our hearts that when we're hurting, to turn to you first, to find comfort and healing from you, that you would help us to deal with the hurts and the pains in our life in a way that would be pleasing to you. That we would always be tender and not turn hard and bitter. That we would not get angry. But all of our anger and our bitterness would just be turned at the devil to to, uh, put him in his place, to take authority over him. And Father, in our life we just ask that you would always use us as as a vessel to help other hurting people. That your word and your Holy Spirit would just flow through us in a mighty way to help those that are hurting. And, Father, we especially ask for help to minister to young girls and teenage girls, young women that are hurting, to help them find their way, to give them the wisdom that they can't have yet because of their years. We just ask that you make a way for us to continue to do that. And, Father, we ask that the words that were spoken tonight would just be brought to our remembrance in the future as we are hurt, as we are depressed or down in the dumps or have a tragedy strike our life, that, that you just bring these words to our remembrance. And we just ask that you would help us to always be a joy to be around. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, you ladies are special, very special. Thank you. Well, go back and enjoy some goodies.